What's up everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Elemental Arts with your host for the evening, Eagle Death. Just want to let y'all know we got two more episodes so you don't have to hear me on this terrible mic anymore. So grateful for that. Uh, Just want to thank everybody sticking around for another episode. Really appreciate it. For this week's guests, we welcome on to the show Chicago-born and Denver-based artists. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Connor Coswell, also known as Die by the Sword. Yeah, I'm a smart, I'm a smart water diehard, so. Hey, man, you, you got to try this body armor water, man. It's fire. It's got, like, the highest pH level that you can, like, get to. I don't know, man. It would take a lot. I'm loyal. <laughs> so what's up man tell people who you are yeah my name is connor cogswell you probably know me by die by the sword um been making 140 for the past four or five years um same with playing shows um lived in chicago illinois starting out now i live just outside of denver colorado <coughs> no better place to, to be um, everybody says, everybody's quick to assume that it was the music, but really it was just because there wasn't much else to do in Chicago aside from go out and drink, go out and eat. I mean, the food's incredible, but, um, I was really just looking for nicer weather, change of scenery and, uh, Colorado does a damn good job at that. So, man, I a hundred percent feel that like, um, that's exactly how I felt about living in Florida. I mean, back in Florida, the only thing there was to do is go to the beach, get fucked up, and go party and, and, and eat, because the food is definitely better back in Florida, but I love Colorado as a whole. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of people are quick to shame the food out here, um, and really it's just because Colorado is, like, at this point, mostly transplants, and that's why the food doesn't really have any, like, culture no behind it. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, like... Florida, you're going to have seafood. You're going to have <clears throat> a bunch of good eats. Chicago, obviously, known for the pizza, known for the dogs, grill food, stuff like that. But I wasn't going to keep food <laughs> yeah, as a reason as a holding to, point. <laughs> to, to stay. Yeah, yeah like, don't give me to hold you by food. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I, I take uh, I take my my time getting around to my spots when I go home. I feel that. Portillo's. When I go to Detroit, that's, that's <laughs> how I am. Like, if I go back to Detroit, I'm, I'm getting a Coney dog. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting a Reuben. And I got I to gotta get a corned beef sandwich. You know, I got to make sure that I get all the stuff I can't get back here. Right, man. Yeah, but all in all, I uh, moved out here just because uh, 300 days of sunshine, mountains, whatnot, uh, compared to... You know, Illinois, where the weather is miserable aside from maybe 90 days a year, and it's the second flattest state in America behind Florida. So there's that. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm sure you yeah, didn't know. It's been know. windy here lately, but not like over there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you going to making music, man? Um, how'd, you, how'd you get started with this? Well, with dubstep, you know, that's one thing. It goes all the way back until what i got my first guitar when i was 10 years old um in middle school 
I played violin, then trumpet, then baritone in a jazz band. Oh, um, that's where you were in band in school too? I was until high school, and then I, you know, gave it up. And they had their qualms. Um, apparently, like, the conductor had talked to my dad. It was like, yeah, this is a huge mistake. Like, he's got a full full ride through college if he, like, progresses in high school. And I was more so like, yeah, that's cool, but, like, I don't want to do that. So what's it worth if that's not what I want? Yeah. And, I mean, it was it was cool learning, you know, both – treble clef and bass clef um baritone was in bass clef and then violin trumpet and then a little bit of clarinet was in uh the treble clef so got all over the music spectrum um still play guitar violin when i was younger yeah i still play guitar casually (laughs) right They, they make yeah they make students do uh learn an instrument but yeah, we uh, still play guitar. Violin. Still play guitar casually all the time. And um, what got me into producing music is, you know, let's see, like 2011, I bought like a hundred dollar Newmark DJ controller. But for like three, four years after that, I just started DJing, making mixes, and you know. At the same time, of course, going to a ton of electronic shows um, all over the spectrum, so dubstep, house, trap, etc. And um, one summer, summer 2015, I was down in the middle of nowhere in Bloomington, Illinois, going to school, and I was by myself all summer because I had an internship and everyone else was like back at home. So I kind of just taught myself how to produce um, trial by fire. I wit, I, I bet you I could find like my projects from 2015 on like logic garage band FL studio. And they're like the worst things you've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that when I first started making stuff too, like my, my music, I was making dubstep with no bass. And the first person that I sent my, my stuff to was, uh, was Brightwing because we were both from Florida. Oh, yeah. And I sent him this song and I was like, yo, check this shit out. And he was like, yo, there's no bass there. I was like, oh, shit. I got I to gotta put some sub behind it. He was like, yeah, man, you can just put a mint bass on it. <laughs> I would, See, I was the opposite. My, my, first, my first track that I made, my first product ever that I made was literally just all sub. And I remember bouncing it out and I'm like, oh, did I not like you know, get the levels right. Cause like this thing doesn't hit. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, it must be the bass is too quiet. But in reality, like everything else was eaten by the sub. So you just heard, <laughs> it was bad, but you know, it's, it's definitely a, uh, like progressing by failing type of game. So that's the only way to learn is to fail. That's right. I still fail all the time. Like, you know, I, I tell people, I'm like, yeah, like, I probably have, you know, somewhere right now in between, like, 20 and 40 releases out, um, whether that's under my own name or Die by the Sword, and, uh, like... So, wait, do you have another project under your uh, uh, your actual name? No, just, you know, my early works were were under my own name. You can still, oh, okay. find, them. You can still find them on a playlist on my SoundCloud for those who are interested. They're really fucking bad, but... 
I, I just keep them up for for memory and uh, yeah. See once where you I, came from. Once I started like going, you know, head first into like dubstep, that's when I kind of like created an actual brand and persona. But um, what I was going for was like, you know, or what I was saying was twenty or forty, twenty to forty songs released, and you know, you can relate to this like. I'm probably nearing like the thousands in terms of like projects worked on that just like, you know, didn't work out or they suck. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it constantly deleting stuff. Right. The, you know, the, the ratio from like songs worked on does like songs put out is like, just there's a massive disparity. And I know that every producer can relate to that, but still fail all the time. Got an yeah, idea. What a good thing that I do now is with that too, is if I feel like the tune isn't going to go anywhere, I just end up working on something else and then pulling the elements from that other song into that and into the new song. Cause I mean, you'll find some sort of idea that it can go with. So, I mean, here and there, it may not be the best, you know, from start to finish when you first put it in there, but overall you might be able to arrange it to something pretty cool. Right. And you know, I know like how heavy people are on like collaborations. I personally like, I think I have like maybe two or three collabs out there, but now, as you know, um, really when I get the ball rolling on a project and it like just comes to a screeching halt, but I'm like, Hey, you know, I have like the intro, the chorus, the bridge, like basically it just needs like a second chorus and then, you know, other elements added to it. Then I'll, you know, like with you, I was like, Hey, we should work on this track just cause I'm like, it sounds pretty compatible with your stuff. Kind of has that, uh, five finger salute type of vibe to it. So I was like, I was yeah, like, it's easy Jonathan. to get, get started on it. it. It took me a couple of days, but yeah, it's, it, it flows so, so naturally. So it, it right. doesn't feel forced at all, which is nice. The other thing is like, I'm not rushing myself with, um, you know, projects that I make like, you know, a full, polished mix like basically a full song but it's only like two minutes long like so do you mix I, as you go or mix at the end i mix as i go and then okay, at good. the end at the end i'll i'll change it up um if it needs to be like sometimes you Just know do like, like a final mix sometimes like i'll be right on the money like all right you know this <laughs> this is leveled well enough to you know get mastered but there are like sometimes where you know i listen back on my headphones, then my car, then my monitors, and I'm like, all right, well, this definitely needs to be fixed. Um, so, with that being said, I, I felt like I mixed way worse when, you know, and one thing I did like in college was like the the pink noise, like put it at put it at negative thirty decibels, and then mm -hmm. mix till you could like just hear it over the pink noise, and like doing everything from the ground up and mixing just really didn't work out for me. And I, I saw a recent like Facebook or Instagram reel where an engineer was talking about like, stop soloing tracks when you mix. He's like, this yeah, track is going to sound different individually. This track is not going to be played by itself. There's no yep. reason to, to play it, you know, um, yeah, to listen back on it. Yeah, your perspective off. 
Right. And it's so, better than mix as a whole because you can actually hear how everything is. The only time you should, really, I feel like you should really only be mixing solo is when you're actually working on that initial part itself because you want it to sound as, as best as it can when it's you know when you're working on it versus right. down the line and you're like, oh, well, this sounds like shit. I'm gonna try to fix yeah. it and you can't fix it. Then you got then you're trying to sit here and replace it with something else. <laughs> Agreed. And um, you know, I have had. Let's see. Out of like all my releases, I had one or two songs mixed by an old friend, and you know he's he's a great engineer. He knows what he's doing, but like when he did my mix down, it like did not sound like I even wrote the song at all. And like it, as you're like producing in in this stuff. Uh, in electronic music, you like come to realize that like someone's mix down is like part of their signature sound, in my opinion. Yeah, um, a lot of it like can be subjective. Um, I know that you know there are people that are super microscopic, saying like, no, if it doesn't like if it doesn't fill the spectrum this way, like it's it's just not going to work out. Um, but really, it's like saying every kick needs to be in mono, or every yeah. sub needs to be in mono. Well, for the record, I do. I do. I mean, my, I, I I agree I with the concept. My kicks. But <laughs> I do mono my kicks. Everybody does it. I do mono my kicks. I don't mono my subs, but I I do use an imager on my master, and I'll I'll just have anything from like 180 hertz to. 25 soloed so all right mono, you know, sorry it's actually better to use uh an eq to do um to do stereo with versus using a, a vst for stereo imaging because a lot of the, st- the vst stereo imaging um actually has phasing issues so basically like using bedded side compared to like something like ozone imager yeah yeah, ozone, like, because I, what I use is I use uh, Spectre or I'll use um, uh, Pro 3. So Spectre yeah. is, like, is an EQ, but it brings out a, a lot of frequencies that you really don't hear in it. So it, it's, like, I put it on, like, uh, a mid-bass or, or my sub. Right. And it'll be that really low sub, but it'll get that little hissing sound. Like, so it, it still comes through, like, properly on speakers. But I can only do that using that unless I want to do a whole bunch of processing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, like I've, I've kind of like run myself up a wall in terms of like, you know, sound design and stuff, which sucks in terms of like 140, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, it's pretty minimal stuff. It's not, you know, narrow or, you know, future do you do based. individual sound design, or do you do you um, create as you work? See, like if I'm bored and I don't really have any ideas to crank out a project, I'll go in Serum or Operator. Maybe I'm mostly Serum, um, and I'll mess around. But that's mainly as I go as well. Um, sometimes I'll just use like the initial preset. The other times, like I'll dig around in preset packs, and then I'll change them around entirely, change the mapping of the mods, and save them as my own, use them for mm-hmm. later. And do you I create tra- racks? Yes. I, I do for my 808s, do for my subs, do for my mids, um, and then the rest, basically every track I have, I have a 
drum rack saved. But to be honest, I have not been using MIDI drums lately. I've just been using straight up audio for. I kind of prefer audio. Uh, so do for I. My drums. Anything else, I like to use MIDI, but for for drum parts, I, I prefer audio clips. Same, because I'm not using like a ton of like hi hat trills stuff like that. Which like MIDI is arguably like the preferred route for you know stuff like that very dense crowded percussion but yeah i've just really been you know in my in my groove using audio and back when i first started producing i remember on facebook i had a couple friends that would just have fucking wars every day like gotta write your drums in midi like you're missing out and i'm like it's like the same people who say, like, oh, you got to use Ableton, not FL. It's like, well, if you... You got to make it all yourself. No samples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like people, people that like say, that's like solely preference, in my opinion. Like, MIDI, MIDI versus audio. Um, obviously, you're not going to want to, like, put an 808 on audio and, like, you know, change the semitones for each specific note. But, like, when it's, you know the same key of a, a hi-hat or something like that. Um, there, there's definitely ways to, you know, modulate the velocity and stuff like that. As opposed to like, no, it has to be in MIDI and you have to use, you know, the click and drag uh, volume and velocity to get like a good swing in your hi-hats or some shit like that. Like there's, there's ways to do it in both. And I feel yeah. like there's just a civil war for no fucking reason. Yeah, so with an actual background in in music, um, you know, growing up actually playing instruments, do you incorporate that into your music? Um, I feel like it, it has given me, like, a slight edge on, like, my more melodic stuff, but to be honest, like, I have completely forgotten how to read music. Um, I mean, we're talking, like, this was 15, 16 years ago at this point, so... Um, unfortunately I didn't keep up with it enough to still remember how to read music, but, um, but you still play guitar, right? Yeah. And a and lot of writing key. What do you mean? Writing key? Like, do you try to keep your, your tunes in key? Like, uh, you know, keep all your samples in like, you know, E minor or, you know, so everything I, kind of lines up as one or do you just kind of play it by ear? I play it by ear. Um, what I what I really did notice though is like you know this is mainly going through my stuff in record box um, like while performing like I've fallen into like the E minor F minor D minor um, like that's those are like my three stooges right there um, <laughs> those are the three musketeers of Die by the Sword it's yeah D minor F minor E minor there are some of my some of my tracks are in E flat minor, um, but in terms of like guitar, I I've learned basically everything I know. I took lessons for about a year, maybe two. I've learned like every song I know how to play um, by ear, really. Um, so I've always been good with pitch and key. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that like has given me you know somewhat of of an advantage compared to someone with like no musical background saying I want to get into producing music. But at the same time, I'm still like not educated 
at all on music theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yes, I do have like, I, there were points in my life where, you know, I was able to read both clefs, like I said, but I know nothing about music theory. Didn't take any classes, read any books. Um, it's basically all for electronic dome. music though. You really don't need to know all that. I mean, for the most part, definitely. You're yeah. Kinda just, you're, you're just kind of writing shit and just having fun. I mean, it, and <clears throat> sometimes it, it's helpful, but you know, I don't feel like it's, it's not necessary. Right, because, it's definitely not necessary at all. <laughs> <laughs> See there, there's a, um, there's a video. You've probably seen this of Rick Rubin in his studio. And, uh, yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some videos. Of him and in he the studio. he. This is recent. And he, well, the video going viral was recent. He was like, "I know absolutely nothing about music theory." He's like, "I just lay on my back and close my eyes, and if it sounds good, it sounds good." I don't yeah. know how serious he is, but like, cons- considering how like of a wild spiritual man he is. Um, I wouldn't put it past him, but at the same time, like he's, you know, renowned to be one of the best music producers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to your point, like it, it definitely gives you music theory and music background gives you an edge, I would say in terms of like knowledge, but it's definitely not essential at all. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the lame question of, um, what made you decide with uh, "Die by the Sword"? Did you have another name before that, or no? Uh, it was it was just my name. It was just Connor Cogswell. And then once I, like I said, once I started doing dubstep full time, I was like, you know, I should really like. Well, to pause, what I want to add is, you know, I was. I think I put out like two dubstep tracks under my own name. Uh, for those wondering, it's uh. Speak No Evil, which came out in 2019, and then Mankind, which came out in 2019. Two are, like, wildly different tracks. Like, Mankind is, like, kind of super heavy. It's In my opinion, it's super cringy, like, really bad. When did you start producing? Uh, 2015. Okay, nice. Didn't put out music until... No, I think I put out, like, some house stuff in 16 in college just like messing around on fl studio and like i still love house music i'm just not good at making it um <laughs> so i can't do it it's uh, it's too repetitive for me unfortunately yeah so those two does their tracks um still like producing under my own name early really early 2019 like i had written awakened i had written a vowel I had written nightmare and all these tunes are just stacking up. And I was like, you know, I think I have something that I actually believe in here. And I kind of felt like if I put out the music under my own name, after like putting out, you know, mid tempo stuff, kind of lo-fi stuff, house stuff, kind of, futury sounding stuff uh, many years ago it, it really wouldn't like hit as hard because it's not what people would be expecting and I just didn't like you know it, in house music and stuff like that it's it's one thing to go by your own name but yeah. there are very few people in dubstep who go by you know their, their full name and uh, 
a couple things behind Die by the Sword. Um, I've, I've said this in previous talks, but uh, one, I was a huge Slayer fan still growing up. I still listen to them all the time. Nice, they have man. a track. They have a track called "Die by the Sword." Um, What's second, funny is I actually didn't even get into rock music. I, I until um, Rock Band, the game, my mom bought it for me when I was younger, and because of that game is the whole reason that my music, like, like my thoughts on music expanded so far. Because I I used to only listen to gangster rap. That's what I grew up on. Yeah. So, see, I was. <laughs> Growing up, like, I was big into, you know, like, middle school, like, Eminem, Jay-Z, and then got into, like, the more punk rock, got into Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, The Strokes, Arctic Monkeys, and then in high school, I was, like, really big into not only metal, like, heavy metal, like, Slayer, but I was into hardcore music, like, Emir. Um, the Chiodos, like all that, like kind of, you know, emo stuff as someone who like, <laughs> as someone who didn't listen to it would call it like emo or screamo, um, which was a great transition into like dubstep <laughs> because in 2010, I heard my first dubstep track ever. I was at, I was at Warp Tour. Who was, the, and, who was the first dubstep track you heard? All right, so I'll send you the video after this interview, but uh, this hardcore band, Amir, walked out to this dubstep song, and it was just, like, the craziest, wonkiest, like, Rusco-sounding shit you ever heard. And I still can't <laughs> find the track till this day. But when I heard it, I was just, like, enamored by it. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And later that summer and in 2011, you know, like... That's when I got huge into like Skrillex, Kill the Noise, Brown and Gammon, Brusco, um, Figure. I don't know if I said Figure, but I feel like I did. Um, <laughs> no, you did. But, but yeah, it was a great segue because like you know, people who didn't listen to insane music leading up to dubstep is like, wow, this is way too intense. And I'm like, well, I'm used to like you know people screaming obscenities for four minutes on a song. And playing like <laughs> super fast blast beats on the drums, so like th this shit is right up my alley. So, what was the first dubstep artist that you actually went out to see? Um, it was on eleven, 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 and it was none other than Skrillex on his first like mothership tour. Oh, okay, that was at Congress Theater in Chicago, which they have had rumors to like do a five million dollar renovation and reopen, but that rumor has been going on long before covid so like it's like fenced off right now too it's like oh man they're really like they're really getting going on this or so you'd think and uh mm -hmm. i think it's it's gone now most of their electronic shows are at aragon uh the small the ones that are a little smaller than aragon are at concord and then the ones that are bigger than aragon are usually at a radius which is new or navy pier but yeah, Aragon was a big staple. Um, like they get, they get Zed's dad, they get Zoo, they got Josephelstein in late 2019. But um, yeah, the first person I saw was uh, was Downlink. And I remember, uh, I remember being a, uh, like a, a kid, 
and my mom dropping me off at this at this uh, venue, and she's like, "You see all these naked girls outside?" <laughs> it's like, it was like in the candy in the candy days, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the bejeweled yeah. the bejeweled bras and stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was a different time, man. Yeah, yeah. And um, then after that, I saw uh, Liquid Stranger, and then I got really into like um, drum now, and bass. What, what year was this? Ah, uh, I think two thousand ten. Yeah, uh, nice. Yeah, I think around, around, there. around the same time, yeah. Yeah, and um, and I got into that, and I just started like branching out and everything. I started listening to drum and bass. I, I listened to happy hardcore. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Some gabber. Yeah, this shit was intense. See, yeah, I was actually just talking about Wakanda and Liquid Stranger and like. In 2016, 2017, even like 2018, especially like when he put out uh, those first couple Peekaboo EPs, like he was fucking untouchable, man. Like, oh yeah, we would we saw him. Me and my friends saw him play an 11:15 a.m. set at Summer Camp Music Festival in 2017, and it was just like awesome. Like I I still rewatch clips on YouTube, and I'm like, yeah, this stuff's great. Like now, the stuff like Wakanda's gotten like kind of future base wavy now, but like it's one of those sets that I look back to, and it doesn't even feel like a, a Liquid Stranger set. I mean, yeah. trends trends change, of course, but like, goddamn, it's no, awesome. I, de- I definitely feel that. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely different, but you know, as you said, times do change. You know, sound the sound changes, and you. Also, try to keep up with your audience as well. Right. You know, especially when you're at that level, you know, you have kind of an obligation. Uh, yeah, and like the ball's, roll, the ball's rolling. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's not like, yeah. you know, it's not like they're putting out this stuff and no one likes it. Like, clearly, you know, they have a massive following. So, they're doing something right. Um, this is long before, like, a lot of the artists that are on Wakan had gotten on. Like, especially LS Dream. I feel like he's a huge part of Wakan. He co- used to go by like a different name. He used to he used to make festival trap under Brills. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. And he he's not he's not my cup of tea, but you know, I've seen him, for example, Miso's from Chicago. He he put Miso on heavy. Miso played direct support to him at Mission Ballroom. Nice. Um, so like definitely, you know, doing doing good and obviously he helps a lot with putting Wakanda on the map to like what it is now. Um, but in the early days, yeah, that was, I love that shit, especially like I still play out and listen to the, uh, the, the first two EPs that Peekaboo put out on Wakanda. Those are fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I feel like he's, he's really like going in his own direction. He's, blew up like for example like eprom supports him at shows and you know seeing peekaboo for the first time at a uh, logan square auditorium like you would never guess that like he would get to a point where eprom is his supporting act or shit yeah. like that and uh you know he's he's got a big following he's He's shown a lot about his productions, his mixes. He uh, yeah, he does he Twitch put, uh, um, live streams. Yeah, and, and what's craziest too, he does a lot of um, he does a lot of sample grabbing. He does a lot of drag and drop, 
But the good thing is, is that because of him being so big, and he's and he's doing that and showing his fans and, and people that you know want to learn how to make music that that's completely okay to do because so many people see it as frowned upon to just you know grab samples and do slight edits on them or or yeah just use them at, at just use them period and that kind of shows people like you don't need to be scared to actually you know just work you know you everything doesn't need to be completely written from scratch. Right. It's like that one meme where it's like, I thought, you know, stealing a drum or using a drum sample was stealing. And then it's like, <laughs> so I went out and bought a drum then I recorded that. And then I thought that was like too, <laughs> that, that was stealing too. So I went out and then I like killed a fish and I, <laughs> And then I, I filleted it to use to use the the grain on a snare drum, and then I thought that was cheating. So I went out and I built my own drum, and it's like, yeah, Can't like please no one. It's really it's really like how you use it. Obviously, yeah, it comes exactly. to the point where like you know if you're just using like a full melody like sixteen bar loop of a bass line, and then you make a song out of that, just like basically how you put out a sample pack, like making a demo track, like there's a difference between that and like using a kick drum and maybe putting like an EQ on it. Like yeah. there's, there's absolutely like they're, the, they're there for you to use. There's a huge argument like with, with uh, people like using the tourney and sound sample pack. And they actually repri- replied on Twitter and was like, <laughs> Well, we made them for you to use. You like yeah. you, bought the, you bought the sample. That's the pack, whole point. So go ahead and use it. Yeah. Yeah, you bought it. Use it how you please. Yeah. So it's the, it's the same thing about um, with like jerseys and stuff. You know how people people burn jerseys and, and, and all that when they don't like teams and players anymore. It. It's like yeah, you bought that shit. You do what you want with it. Yeah. <laughs> The money's already in the pocket, man. You're literally exactly. just like it's basically just clickbait at that point. <laughs> so I know you're going on tour here soon, man. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's it's underway. Um, started off, it, it really wasn't even intended to like, oh yeah, like let's drop a tour. What happened was, you know, fortunately, um, a, a bunch of bookings happened to come in um, really like almost at the same time where it made sense to like, yeah, let's put out the dates in the cities um, and just like go from there. Didn't really call it to her, just said like that by the sword 2023 dates. But now that I think about it, you know, it's basically it's consecutive tour, dates. So. Nearly, nearly, nearly 10 dates started off in Grand Rapids with uh Lita Lotus. Really fun time about, Hundred people showed up at you know this what looks like a mom and pop bar restaurant in in uh, Grand Rapids, and we got the Liquid Dance Hall sound system in there. It was banging. Um, nice. I actually just got off a call with them. Really? Right before? Yeah, right before this, we were uh, we were chatting about sound systems. <laughs> yeah, well, shout out Elliot. It's an amazing sound system. Um, Love that kid. We blew the vents off the ceiling at that place. Uh, they were going crazy behind me. And I was like, well, I didn't, I was like in the middle of like a build or an intro and they're like all going crazy. I'm like, what's going on? And then I look in the vent, 
was swinging from the ceiling. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, so there's a pitcher. Um, I don't even have that pitcher, but I need it. So, Elliot, <laughs> if, you, if you're watching this or Will or Joe, please send that to me. Um, but after that, um, let's see. I took – yeah, I had some time off, played uh, – in Chicago last weekend with Drone. That was awesome. Shout out Beat Down Sound. Um, that is hands down the best sound system I've ever played on, uh, grassroots-wise. Uh, they're super low-key. Like, these events are 75 capacity. Uh, it's in a coach house in Chicago. Don't want to say... small intimate shows are, usually, are, are, are the best. But that thing was fucking Small howling. room, big sound. It was dialed up. They had they had their homie on uh literally at the controls the entire time, had a dub siren, it was just so proper. And then um this Friday we'll be at Black Box with Widow. Shout out Deep Dark Dangerous. Um and congratulations to you on the D D D release. Oh, appreciate Love you, that. man. Welcome to the fam. Yeah. Um Yeah, got got some other things coming up too. But um <laughs> Let that let that play out in the future. <laughs> yeah. So really quick, I, I want to pull up. Um, I, I want to see because I'm forgetting like the entirety. So black box is Friday, and then April eighth will be in Pittsburgh. That one should be getting announced soon. Then a two night run in Iowa. First night in oh, Illinois. Nice. Second in Dubuque. That's May twelfth and thirteenth. And then, can't say the last two TBAs, but I will say one of them is actually not in the United States. Uh, that's oh, hell the yeah, man. First time I've, thank you. That is the first time I've said that. Haven't posted anything about it. Can't really say where it is yet, but that should be announced later this month. So, yes, first international show. Super excited. Have never been nice. to this country, so... Is there really any festivals is. that you're hoping to play this year? Um, you know, obviously there's... There's one prominent festival that has been a dream of mine to play for five years that is none other than Infrasound. Um, I literally have a pact where I'm like, you know, I will not go to that festival as an attendee um, until I play. So, <laughs> like, every year, like, the lineup slaps and, you know, all my friends go and the, I'm, I'm close with Eric of Turnian. Like, he, they're basically residents there and everyone's hanging out, everyone's chilling, and they're like, why don't you go? And I'm like, it's, ju- it's just personal to me. Like, I'm not going to go until I play. Uh, so, yeah. It's, really? it's a dream to play there. It's a it's a bucket list thing. Exactly, yeah. And it's I just hold that on like a higher, you know, appreciation. Not that you know any other fests like aren't up to par, but it's just very like sacred, so to say. Because when I was, you know, getting heavy into 140, all the all the recorded sets I listened to, all the mixes I listened to, all the artists I listened to were playing at Infrasound. So that's kind of like what got me all the, that's kind of what got me the holding infrasound to such like a higher level. And also like 
those artists that played infrasound are like the only reason why I do this. So, yeah, you know, we yeah, all so with, oh, go, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say with, um, with everything coming up too, is there any, like any other artists that have kind of inspired you lately that, um, that you kind of look up to or people that should keep an eye out for? In terms of inspiration, man, um, lately, fucking A, uh, the distinct motive sets I've seen, <laughs> I literally didn't even say that because I was wearing the shirt. <laughs> shout, out, shout out, Phil. Um, he actually had me up to back-to-back with him uh, at the Black Box over summer, like right when I moved here. That set was one of the best sets I've ever seen at the box. Um, I feel Phil does a good job of putting people on. Yes, he has supported me tremendously uh, during COVID when he would do those live streams at the green screen. Like, I sent him music, um, just not even thinking, really, because I, I had sent him stuff, like, before COVID, and I sent him stuff again, and then I was literally, like, in at a bar patio, just, like, watching twitch and like he played like two of my songs and like him and i started talking hitting it off and uh you know seeing him play sets super fucking inspiring he's very you know comfortable in his production and djing and he's all about having fun so seeing him throw down as good as he does basically just like you know off the dome going in there just reading the room very inspiring. Missed him at Meow Wolf because we played at the same time. Um, but I did get to see him the day after I played Grand Rapids. Elliot was actually on my flight, and he was a uh, support for that show. Um, but aside from that, uh, really, the Turney and Sound guys, like I, I just saw their show. Uh, forgetting the date, but it's the last weekend of February, so not this. So past. Eric and Jack, they they do the the, the shows, and and uh, Andrew does more of the production, or uh, yeah. Or so just actually, production. you know they they used to all three play shows, but uh, Andrew is actually talking today on Twitch about how you know expensive air travel is now, and it's like, hey, I live in the Midwest, and like. For example, like he's going to Chicago, and if they have a Michigan stop, he'll go there because he lives there. Minnesota, he'll probably be there because that's where he's from. Um, it just makes the most sense for him not to go. It said, or mm-hmm. they said, but in terms of productions, it's really all over the place. Um, I know, like they've all individually wrote songs. Um, and sometimes, like, I believe uh, Jack and Andrew have just worked together, and other times all three of them. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's really just based on what I think is, like, most sensible. And also, yeah. um, also like, Andrew lives in Michigan with his wife, so I, I feel like it makes the most sense for Jack and Eric, who you know, do this full time to be the ones hitting the, the tours, but okay, great guys, nice. great guys got to hang out with them at Ogden. The set was fucking awesome. 
Um, yeah, I actually didn't even find out about the show until the day of the show, and it, it sucked too because I caught the flu that that same weekend, uh, so I wouldn't have even been able to go. I was like watching videos, and I was like, "Damn, that looked fun." So that was with I know Yeti, lot, right? Yeah, I know a lot of people who do not go to Ogden for electronic shows because the rig in there is solely meant for bands mm. and. When they have electronic shows, you're just getting pelted with the highs. So Did they, they brought bring in, their own custom system. They brought in show? a Hennessy deployment, and nice. I told them right after they played, I'm like, "Yeah, the the rig saved the show. It's like it sounded great." Um, I was in an awkward spot. I was like up on the balcony on the side, so like I really, you know, for their set, like. I remember Eric telling me, like, I really couldn't tell which songs were hitting the hardest. I was like, well, I can't be a good gauge of that because I was not, like, in front of the speakers. But the times <laughs> that I were, the times that I were, I was like, yeah, this this rig made the show, like, so much better just because I've only seen bands there, and it sounds good. But at the same time, I said to myself, I really don't want to be seeing, you know, DJs bass music DJs without, you know, proper reinforcement. But yeah, went and off about a hitch. That's actually something that we were just talking about in the other chat with uh, Liquid Dancehall uh, about how people book artists that require you know low end low end speakers like like myself and you where we make right. low end music and if we get booked for an event and it doesn't have the proper sound system it's not really going to project the way that we we want it to it's going to sound you know kind of wimpy to be honest because all of our oh, stuff no really is driven by the sub bass and if you don't have a proper system to carry that then uh, there's really no point of bringing that artist out there like if you're trying to book let's say truth on a and you, and you, you got a pa system the hell is that going to do <laughs> yeah my first show one of my like first dubstep shows this is under my own name i was playing like in the side room of a nightclub like outside of chicago and it was literally like fucking two PA speakers and like four ceiling speakers. And it was just, <laughs> it was so fucking bad. It was so bad. But like, yeah, now, now I feel like, you know, more getting in with more sound system based promoters. Um, mm -hmm. Basically like, I can't tell you the last time I've played a show without a, without a system. And that's like the best part of this. Like, all the different systems you get to play on. Um, just like thinking back, like obviously like sometimes you're going to play on, for example, like Meow Wolf, like there was a... Do you feel that like, you're spoiled at the black box? I, mean, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't played on the, uh, I haven't played on the couch. The, okay. Uh, the rig. Even just listening to it though, versus yes. being back in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. It, it shits on any Chicago sound system, for sure. But I, I, I'm trying to think. Like I know that multiple different systems kind of joined forces at the black box. It's like extremely custom. It's not just like a you know F1 deployment. I forget yeah. what it is. I forget what the specs are, but whatever it is, it's great. You know. Yeah, every time I go there, I just feel like I'm spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same, really, just because, you know, I have a lot of friends that talk about the box, but they've, you know, never been out here for it, and they're just, I, I just think of them when 
like I'm at a show, I'm like, damn, like you don't get sound like this anywhere else. Um, of course, like, you know, some places commission like people who have built sound systems and like, that's a different story, but I'm talking like just bare bones, like going into a venue in another city, you don't get that sound anywhere yeah. else. So do you have any like things that you like to do outside of music? Um, this winter I've been snowboarding a ton. Um, broke my ribs the first time going. Been out here seven years time. and I still haven't gone yet. And I have two snowboards in my garage, <laughs> but I still haven't even touched them yet. Yeah, man, you gotta go. Please, please let me know if you ever want to, and you could drive yeah, I mean, up I'd here. De- up. I'd definitely be down for that. We'll drive us I out. just never have anybody that wants to go, or like, I'm not very fond of driving in the snow, so driving in the snow yeah. on the side of a mountain doesn't sound very pleasant to me. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, but. Yeah, winter just been just been snowboarding, um, working on music. Got got a release coming out next month that you might know about, but I can't talk about just yet. Um, and once the warm weather rolls around, uh, just hiking and golf really, and disc golf as well. Um, I moved here for the nature and the scenery, so. You know, just enjoying that makes me kind of like fulfilled. Feels like a you're full a circle. Bit more north than me, you should check out uh, Isabel Lake. It's in a uh, it's in a town called Ward, and it's I think it's got a population of like like a hundred people. Um, Let's see, so Isabel but, Lake. Yeah, but it's absolutely beautiful. Because um, I I try to go hiking as much as I can, especially in the summertime. And now that okay, I have so this this is by um, this is like straight west of Boulder. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's now see. that I have my motorcycles and stuff too, I, I usually end up taking those out like really far. Uh, went up to Breckenridge and Aspen. I'm trying to That's do crazy. Ride to Utah. Um, went through the do you, Bido. Do you rip right? Do you rip right through the tunnel on seventy? Just. Oh yeah, yeah. It was my yeah. first time going through that tunnel, and like I straight gunned it because I I wanted to just hear that hear it roar while I was while I was under there. Yeah, I, I it was see my you. first time. Like I didn't know we had tunnels in Colorado. So I see you posting. Yeah, you're going through a fucking mountain, bro. So yeah, they're not going to send you up and over, man. You're going through. <laughs> but I see you. Yeah, I see you posting a lot of stuff on the motorcycle. Are you? Do you uh, use a GoPro or no? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah. keep one on the front, and then I also have one for the side of my helmet as well. That's awesome, um, man. I actually just got a new helmet today, too, a lot more than I intended to spend. But I can mount it to the front of my helmet now, so whenever I move my head, it, it can follow where my head's moving, which is nice. Yeah, that is. I, I recently just purchased one myself. It's not here yet, but... What GoPro did you get? I got one. I got the Hero 5. Um, oh, nice. Okay. I got the Hero 5 and, like, a bundle of accessories. It only cost me, like, 150 So, Okay. I was like, I yeah, can't say no to this. Yeah, also sign up on, um, on the GoPro website. I think it's, like, $5 a month. But if you say you break your, your GoPro or anything, they'll replace it uh, at no charge. <laughs> I should probably do that, considering <laughs> I like to fall and break my ribs on my snowboard, so. Yeah, and then it's got unlimited <laughs> memory, too, so you can just upload stuff all day. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, you should. Uh, do you plan on using your GoPro for when you do shows uh, to record your shows? You can also I want, do. I want to. Um, yeah, you can do direct audio as well, so that you can record into your the sets. GoPro. Yeah, 
Really? I fi- I always figured you had to do like, you know, the DJM record app and then like just the video off the GoPro. Yeah, no, so you can also you could use your GoPro or you can also do like an iRig, uh, do like mm-hmm. an iRig too, and then connect that to the GoPro as well. So that's awesome. But yeah, I, I hope to as well. Like that's a big reason why I got it. Um like hiking, snowboarding, DJing. Um so yeah, I, I just got tired of like you know, trying to film shit on my phone, especially like when you're going thirty 35 miles an hour on a snowboard. I'm like, I yeah. really, I really can't hold my phone right now. <laughs> and it just sounds dangerous too. Cause your, your attention's oh, yeah. on your phone versus right. like just focusing on what's in front of you. Same For thing sure. with the motorcycle. You, your, your focus has to be completely on the road. Oh Otherwise, yeah. That's a, that's a different story, up. bro. Yeah. <laughs> you're Especially when you're thing. busting 150 down the highway, just jamming a like drum bass. Right. What's cool okay, though man. is I got this new helmet is um it blocks out so much wind noise so I can hear the music perfectly. So I like I'll literally just be jamming while I'm going down the road and like there's nothing distracting me at all. Like the only thing that's on my mind is this road and this music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to be careful though cuz like motorcyclists pay attention. It's other people that don't. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm, I, I like to ride fast, but I'm very cautious. So. Yeah. <laughs> don't we, don't we all, I mean, <clears throat> those who ride motorcycles. So not me. I think we're all just living <laughs> life in the fast lane. Yeah. For real. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, man. So how you been? How you been enjoying Colorado now? You've been out here for what? Uh, what six months or so? No, I, I moved out here in June, first week of June. So I've okay. been out here quite a while, and uh, it's everything I really hoped for. Um, if anything, like I'm glad I live like closer to the mountains. Um, really, like. After living in Chicago for five full years, I'm like, yeah, there's there's no way I was going to live downtown. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's no way I was going to live downtown out here. So glad I didn't have to, like, resort to that. I was able to find a place out in Wheat Ridge. That's where I'm at. So you don't don't stay in Denver? You stay a little outside of Denver? I live in Wheat Ridge, yeah. How far is that from Denver? Ten miles. Oh, okay. That's not bad at all. Yeah, so Golden's, like, ten minutes up the street. Denver's, like... 20 minutes on the highway. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I said I could never live in Denver. It's just there's just too much happening for me at all times. Yeah, that, that's another thing, man. Like, a lot of the people that live in Denver are still very, like, up and at them every single weekend and, you know, like, weekdays as well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just can't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, getting old. But yeah, I'm, I'm tired by 12 o'clock. Yeah, I could, I could be in the oh, club yeah. and 12 o'clock hits. I need like a cup of tea or something to keep, keep me up. No doubt. Uh, <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't kidding, bro. You ain't kidding. <laughs> that would be nice if, if clubs sold coffee and tea and, and as soon as it hits 12 o'clock. Oh, man, I would be so about that. Yeah, I got a buddy who is notorious for ordering coffee at the bar all the time. <laughs> that's mainly a Chicago thing. I don't know if he does it out here. I'll have to ask him after this. <laughs> so with you getting so tired, you know, early early in the night, do you you keep uh, like coffee or anything on your rider? 
No, I, I do a uh, I do a sugar free Red Bull. I do sugar free Red Bull, Smart Water, and then six of these bad boys. Okay. And then just like any any small snacks like fruit and stuff. But I, I do put like you know a note on it. I'm like you know if general like food and drink is provided, like that's that's fine. I'm not gonna you know be you don't a put anything crazy on there. Like I need a thing of Pokemon cards or Legos. <laughs> No, but <laughs> there are people that do that. <laughs> I know. I was I was really like there was a point where I was gonna put like a gag on my on my rider and see what happened, but I didn't end up doing it. Maybe like next time uh you know, I'm playing for a friend promoter, I'll do that when I send the contract. Just be like, Yeah, frame picture of Big Chungus. Yeah. I need I need Hello Kitty slippers. <laughs> yeah. Like, Sorry bro, if you don't get it I can't play. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, we don't have any at Kmart out here. <laughs> well, Kmart's out of business. Walmart is what I meant to say. R.I.P. Kmart. But, yeah, I was gonna say. I think Kmart went out of business a few years. I ago. used to have one right by my place. Like, and I think it went out. It went out in like when I was in high school. So, two thousand nine. Just, makes you, just makes you feel a little old. All the businesses that are gone, like Circuit City. Oh, <laughs> uh, Circuit City. Yeah. I remember they were like head to head with Best Buy. That didn't end well for them. <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they were they were pretty easy to steal from. I knew a lot of people that took things from them because they had no security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like Best Best Buy. You always see those videos, Walmart and Best Buy, people just getting tackled, like trying to walk out of the printer or TV. <laughs> Man, that wasn't happening at Circuit City. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just right, just out. go, just go ahead, bro. That's our, it's our liquidation sale. We're going out of business. <laughs> it's just a bonus check for the CEO. We're already bankrupt, man. So, you got any plans for uh, for your day, man? You working on music, or what, what you got going on? Well, worked all day. Um, not on music, just at the day job for for the man. And then I hit the gym, got all nice and cleaned up so I can look presentable on this meeting. But yeah, typically during the week of a show, I don't do a whole lot producing. Uh, Fortunately, I do have CDJs here. So I'll get a playlist together of like 80 or 100 songs and I'll Mm. just start mixing. I'll note which ones like I am not feeling get them off the playlist and replace them. Um, so do you create playlists for your shows or do you uh, kind of freestyle it? So both. So I create, I create a playlist. Like obviously you're not with a 60 minute set, you're not going to get through a hundred songs. So I'll really just, you know, in the green room, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes before I go on, I'll kind of like decide what song I want to play first. And then the rest is really just cowboying off my USB. Yeah, I normally know the first two songs, and then after that, it's just kind of random. Except nowadays, like if I, it's it's a little bit different. If I'm if I'm opening, like I I will I'll just completely freestyle it. But if I'm headlining, you know, I put a little bit more thought into it. Yeah, for sure. And really, I've just found that I keep the energy up in my sets. for the crowd which um, is important by you know going off off the dome really just because 
if you have like a slow part of your set and the crowd is already like kind of just, you know, like swaying, not really like into it, or even if they're like really into it and you're about to go into like, you know, a melodic section, you have like a playlist lined up, like you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, you want to keep the momentum. So really I've found the best way is to just, you know, gather as many songs as like, I want to play in a playlist, like as if I don't have a time limit and then just play the songs that make the most sense when the, when the time does come. Yeah. That's always been my fear of making playlists as well is that one, I feel like if I'm creating a playlist, I'm going to be kind of stuck to this playlist and say the crowd's not feeling that. And I'm still, you know, I got this set planned and everything and I'm kind of screwed at that point. Or for instance, say you run out of tunes. Like I I don't, (laughs) I I play tunes pretty fast. I haven't played a, you know, straight through playlist in quite some time. It has to be years at this point, but, um, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. Uh, it can work really, really good, especially like these people like, you know, doing AV sets. Like, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You're not going to be able to, you know, just do all that freestyle. But in terms of like, you know, disc jockeying, like doubling and blending and mixing with, you know, three or more decks, um, I feel like it gives you the most freedom to just make a general playlist and just play the songs you're feeling at the time. Yeah, no, I feel that. I definitely, I definitely understand that. Do you, um, so I know you're saying you don't work on music really within the weeks of the show. Do you work on music at all, like in the airports or in your hotel, like try to finish up tunes or work on new ideas specifically for that city? I have written, I have written tunes, like finished them in hotels and stuff like that. Now my laptop is just like so beat to shit that I don't really use it on the fly in terms of like, well, no pun intended, like on an airplane or shit like that. I really only use it if I have like a desk or something mm-hmm. like that, just because it's literally so delicate. I, I feel like a couple cables are loose. Um, but like if you were to shake that thing like it will literally like restart so i'm in i'm in the process of getting i'm in the process of getting a desktop yes but uh but what do you what do you plan on getting are gonna get uh i'm gonna get the the max with the m2s yeah nice so the the thing is like during the week i'll also like instead of you know writing a new track i will go ahead and, you know, remix or remaster, like, some of, you know, my whips that I'm like, all right, like, this this can be played out. Like, there's already, you know, two and a half minutes or there's already one full drop, and I'll just make sure that, like, all right, even though, like, the concept is there, is it, you know, leveled enough to play on a professional sound system because there yeah. is a there is a difference and yeah it sounds it might sound good at your speakers but maybe but not on other speakers yeah so i'm sure on friday like i'll play some new ones and i'll be like well back to the drawing board because the mix ain't there but <laughs> yeah got a new one a lot of new ones to play on nice friday so super excited about that 
That's what's up, man. Yeah, it's it's always fun testing out new stuff on the road. You know, no one knows. It, it, it gives that, that nice element of surprise. Never know what's coming next. Yeah. Like, I have a few that I know for sure I've never included in any mixes or played in any sets. So I'm going to, you know, it's the black box. Um, Got to let them rip on that system, on the bass. Yeah. Couch. The black box is always a great place to test new songs, that's for sure. Right. Just because those speakers are so prime. They are, man. They Every, every fucking time, like, I have, like, Snapchat videos of shows in there, and, like, Snapchat, like, is clipping them so much, you, like, can't even hear the videos <laughs> because it's so loud in that room. Are you more of the person that is in the back or the front of the crowd? Uh, definitely the back. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, you know, more room, and I feel like you could appreciate things more, and, like, just considering like how dense crowded and like hectic it is if people are raging like i prefer to like watch that as as opposed to be in it now yeah really just depends on the time though like my buddies are playing like i try to be right up there because i had a buddy of mine who was at the chicago show and he was just raging the entire time and i'm like dude i love that because i feel like there's Sometimes when you play it's shows, it's always great that, to see someone you know in the crowd. <laughs> when you when you play shows that aren't like fully sold out, I feel like there's like this weird gap in between the speakers and the crowd, and they're just like everyone's like kind of afraid to like go up close. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So like when my buddies play like at the box, like I make sure I'm up there banging on the bins and whatnot. It kind of reminds you of like um, like middle school dances where you know the boys would be on one side and the girls would be on the other side until somebody actually decides they want to get in and dance. Makes them leave the face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember my first. I remember my first school dance, and I can attest it was all us guys just hanging out because we were <laughs> you're scared. You're scared, man. <laughs> yeah, somebody make the first move so I don't feel uncomfortable. Straight up. <laughs> so when you, when you go out to shows and and um, you see fans and, and stuff like that, and fans approach you, are you more of a, a social person or um, or are you fairly quiet? Yeah, man. You know, like every time I've I've been approached, you know, I I just make it a point to show my appreciation and also like you know anyone I consider a fan. I consider a friend as well, so nice. Really, really like you know talking to them. It's awesome when like people come up and they're like, "Hey, you know, like I make music too and shit." And I'm like, "Well, send me it. Like, I'll I'll fucking play it if I like it." You know, it's not like, "Oh, I'm I can't stand like people, especially like at this caliber, who think they're too cool for people." I would definitely never want to come off like that. So, yeah, definitely more of the you know regular social person that I am. Um, Depends on the night, of course. Like sometimes you'll be focused or nervous or tired, and maybe I'm less talkative. But never, I, I don't think I've ever been seen as like quiet, even in that situation. Yeah. See, unless I unless I have a drink or something, there's no getting me to talk. I I am I yeah. have horrible <laughs> I have horrible social anxiety. So <laughs> so I try yeah, to. But, and you were saying at at the black box, like someone actually brought your your vinyl 
to sign. Yes. Yeah. So like, yeah, I want to, yeah, which was, was really cool. It was, it was great. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful experience. I was incredibly honored. It was, yeah. it was I was trying to make it not awkward because I was so, I was so happy and I was so excited that, you know, somebody took the time to purchase my vinyl and then for me to sign it as well, which was the first thing that I've ever signed. Yeah. It was, uh, my nerves were very high. And uh, so I right. was, so all I could really don't do mess was up just, your signature. Yeah, oh, I probably, I, I think I definitely did. Cause I don't have an, I don't have an Eagle death signature yet. Yeah. I, so don't I, have haven't, a, I haven't worked on it. So I don't have one for my, my like Phil, well. Phil has mastered his signature. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got but, the he's got like the graffiti font. Yeah, yes, it's awesome. Yeah, so I still haven't gotten there. So it was just basic cursive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely great, but uh, I feel like I need to get better at kind of interacting with with people and, and and fans as well. You know, and now which a uh, more talkative. which label put out that final? Um, so that one was uh, Frozen Plates, but I have oh, nice. currently four vinyl releases. Um, really? Okay. So I have that one. I have the one on Ends. Um, I have um, one on Infernal Sounds, and then um, I have well, – I don't give a fuck. They're my, they're my labels. So I can talk, talk about them all I want. Um, so I have – Another one coming out this year on Runouts, uh, which is a 10-inch, and then uh, two 12-inches that should still be coming out on Diplock. Um, yeah. And then one on uh, D-Block as well. So this, yeah, this I remember, year... Yeah, I remember you telling me about, about some of those, um, but I wasn't sure which labels had... I knew you had Wax, but I didn't know which, which publications had drop them yeah i, yeah, I know about your you told me at the at the box actually about you know your plans and i didn't mean to put you on the spot no <laughs> um, man you're fine man i i, yeah, but, I, I actually I, i'm more comfortable talking about music stuff than i am just about just just talking like i'm horrible at small talk but if, yeah. i could talk about music all day you know, like no, no right. matter what and I, I don't i don't feel pressured i don't feel annoyed or anything because that's what I like to do and that's what I like to talk about. So, Right. Definitely. I feel like it's a good, it's a good connection, you know, whether you're shy or social, like everybody who loves music will, will talk about it. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I like to do these things as well is because yes, it, 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 one, it gives an insight into, you know, the artists or the company, or the or the people building the sound systems, or et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it also helps me be a little bit more vocal and you know, kind of jump out of my shell. So right, I'm glad. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, we got a we got a couple more minutes. Is there anything that you guys that you want to let the fans know, or anything anything you got coming up in the future? Um, anything about yourself that you want people to know about you? Um, yeah, we could, we could talk about a few things. So the TBA dates on the tour flyer should be updated soon. Um, as well as the location and lineup for that Pittsburgh show. That'll be my birthday weekend. So super excited for that one. Um, pretty 
popping up and coming promoter. Uh, really excited to meet the guy. Um, aside from shows, um, this spring there will be a two track final release. One of them has been three or four years in the making. Um, those pre-masters are out, locked and loaded. Um, that will be a 10-inch lathe cut dub plate, limited to 50 nice. copies, so be sure to get it, get on it. Um, and then I am currently finishing up a four-track EP for a UK label, and basically all I could say about them, they got two pretty heavyweight artists uh, running the label. Uh, they won Best New Label on the Duplock Awards a couple years ago. Um, not sure which year. Sorry if, if you guys watch this and I don't know my, <laughs> my trivia. But, um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff to be excited about. And uh, winter's coming to an end. Spring and summer are going to be full swing. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, this this winter is a lot better than a Chicago winter. So, oh yeah, at least you could, least you could do fun shit bi- in the snow. Yeah, Colorado's just very bipolar, but it definitely doesn't get like the winters that we used to get back up north. You know, in Chicago and Michigan. So, yeah. No, Michigan's just as bad, if not worse. So yes, it's horrible. But yeah, man. <laughs> what about what about you, man? Aside from you know our track we're working on. Um, what do you got coming up? Um, aside from the vinyl releases that um, I just stated, uh, I don't really have any other digital things. I do have a dub techno vinyl that I've been working on for the past three years now. I should have one tune is already done, and the other one is partially done. I just haven't worked on it, so I need to finish that. Um, as That's I'm going to be the first artist with this label. Um, I got some collabs coming up too. So right now, you know, the one with us, um, going to be starting another one with Ramses here soon. Um, he's about sick, to start, man. Yeah. About to start one with Widow, um, as well as, uh, Lee Lyon and, uh, our man. Um, so busy schedule. Uh, I work, I'm, I basically finish a tune a day. Um, so that's wow. my work. Yeah, my workflow is really fa- is really fast. So I make about probably ten to twenty songs a month. Um, I don't post nothing. Uh, like I post and, every now and, and then. And for the record, I I do not make music that fast. So you guys will have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my workflow is just really fast because I have um I have really bad ADD and ADHD. So my brain is just, just always running at a hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So I can get an idea down very quickly. Um, and then, you know, I'll come back to it within like a day or so just to make sure I like the arrangement, make sure the mix sounds nice, and then take a week off uh, from the tune and then come back and master it because sending it off is sometimes expensive. And I know, oh, yeah. I, can, I, know I can do it myself um, right. because I've, I've spent a very long time trying to learn how to master as well as I master tunes for other people as well. So um, I just try to take that couple week or two off to kind of forget about the tune. So I'm, I'm not very prejudiced about it when I go back right. to master it. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides those, I just been kind of pump out tunes last year. I had a really slow year. Um, I think I probably finished five, five or six songs. I just, yeah. wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, I'll, 
I was very depressed, unfortunately. Lost my dog. Um, and uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you, man. Yeah, I had it for 10 years. Um, and then I also bought a house last year, so which was very stressful process. Took a lot of energy and time out of doing anything else that I wanted to do. But now that I have my own house um, in my own studio space where I don't feel like I'm aggravating people because I was in an apartment before, uh, yeah. I can really push out tunes. I'm up to almost like two, two in the morning every night working on music. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but, but the thing is, too, I also take a lot of, I take a lot of meeting breaks. So I only work in 30-minute sessions. Um, I keep a little timer in the studio. So what I do now is um, I actually got the idea from Kim, uh, you know, CIM. Um, out in the UK or Cam. Yeah. Um, but he, what he does is he works on things in increments, like how you do with the band session. So 30 minute increments of things. So what I do now is I work on drums for 30 minutes, then the bass for 30 minutes, and then effects and intro stuff for 30 minutes, then background Dude. stuff. And then, and then go back and do that. Look loop. at what saved, look, look at what saved in my, in my phone. It's a screenshot. <laughs> and it's 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 Sim commenting on your post talking <laughs> nice. about what you're talking about right now. Hell I yeah. took a screenshot and I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, it, then, it really yeah, is because like, it, it it keeps it keeps you constantly moving and it, it doesn't keep you stuck on just one idea versus like if you're sitting there spending. Dude, I completely forgot that was that was on your post. Like yeah. <laughs> when I pulled that up, I'm like, Oh shit. But yeah, when I saw him say that, I screenshot it immediately. I was like, I should do that. And like now I'm yeah, like, I actually wrote it down. Weekends. So, um, here I'll show you, uh, where is, so yeah, I have a uh, work tips. Uh, nice. Yeah. So these are my work tips. I have a, I keep a whole book actually at my studio of like, uh, tips and tricks. So like I got mass, I got mastering, mixing tips, uh, compression, uh, details. I got like vocal tips, you know, like where things are coming in and vocals, which parts hit what. So, right. um, I know where I really want to push things without having to overthink it. And then, you know, become second nature at a point, just like I have, a. um, what's funny is I have a whole thing of frequency ranges and frequency bands. So I know, <laughs> so I know where everything is at. In That's like, dope. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've become a, a, an audio nerd over the, over the years. And it, it's little things like this have kind of helped me just kind of stay on track, you know, and not, and not overthink it as much so that I can keep it, I keep it fun and simple, but also when I need to fix things in audio, cause I don't want things to sound gross and muddy and I know exactly what I need to fix in, in each part, you know, rather than just fixing it in the whole mix as well. Cause I want to make sure it sounds, I want to make sure it sounds perfect before the final product. So like, I don't want to have to keep going back and forth to mix it. So I always make sure I clean all the cuts, you know, there's no popping, no clip, no clicks or anything like that while I work, you know? Yeah. The, everybody, you know, it hasn't been that much of a problem for me lately. Um, but like everyone talks about like the de-clicking VSTs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Really. I've just like found, I think I've found a rhythm with like using the correct amount of attack and release for, stuff to not click, but, mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, that is, that's one of the worst feelings ever when you have a click that you can't find yeah. in one of your tunes, and you're just digging through the mix. You're like, where the fuck is it? Yeah, a lot of my uh, my kicks nowadays have clicks in them because of um, what I use to process them. So I have um, I have intro templates. So when I start my songs, I already know what I'm going to have on my drums. So I have a drum group of um, like Rift, um, um, my EQs of where I want certain things to be cut, um, uh, a glue compressor and all that stuff, like stuff that I know is already going to go on there initially. And then like my kicks, I have certain things on there that I know that I always process my kicks with. So I just leave it on there already. So I don't have to go in and do all that. And one of the things I use is, um, uh, isotope trash. And, um, yeah, I got, I got that for, I got that too. They, they did a, they put it up it was free, free yeah, a couple months ago. I was like, all right. Yeah, it was a, was Christmas, like, right. a Christmas free download like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then, and um, there is a, um, there's kind of a little process thing. So if you actually go onto the manual of, uh, of trash, they actually have a design thing of how you could put your drums and your, your snares on there and make them sound like they're, like like they pop like instantly, and because yeah. uh, I didn't. There know- are some like there are some crazy fucking presets on there that like there's it's to a point where I only use like the subtler utility presets and change them around because all the other shit I'm like this is just like not even recognizable. Have uh-huh. you checked out um, any minim- minimal audio stuff? <laughs> Now, what like do Rift, uh, Morph EQ, and uh, the cluster delay. So I've I've messed with um, Rift, but I believe didn't they just post a cluster delay video like last week? Yeah, I bought it. Came out Friday, and I bought it. Yeah, <laughs> that shit. That shit looks crazy. Um, it is, man. It's and it's it's so easy to use. Like the interface is is so user friendly. See, for for me. For me, dude, Trash 2 is, like, extremely hard to use. It is. It is Um, hard. (laughs) Yeah. So, really, like, I'll just be using, like, a subtle, like I said, subtler utility uh, preset. And, like, to be honest, it's, like, maybe 15% on the wet and dry. So, I know you use um, Serum and uh, Operator. Do you ever uh, mess around with Vito? So... Embarrassing, but true. Um, my iOS is too outdated to use Vital, and my computer will literally. Oh, it's ten years old. Okay, okay. It'll yeah, it'll take a shit if I use it. So I have Vital, and I have um, Fab Filter. I've um, Ableton Eleven, just like ready to go on a USB. So I'm waiting until I do that or until I get a new Mac, which, you know, should be next week. Cause that's, <laughs> I'm just waiting on a work bonus. Um, yeah. But, um, really like you were saying, like, yeah, I use a group for my, for my kicks. Like I'll use a rack as well. Like I'll have a drum EQ and then I'll have a, base mono so like anything under like 120 
hertz or zero to 120 is in mono. And then I'll also use camel crusher, which you probably have heard of. Yeah. If not, if not, yeah, but it's, yes. it's so old. I actually can't even download it. I tried to a couple of years ago and it, it wouldn't let me cause there's no download links available. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could, I have no problem if you would like it, but yeah, it's extremely simple to use. Um, has a compressor built in, filter built in, and overdrive, and that's how I've gotten like my hardest hitting kicks that like I was satisfied with. Like obviously, like a lot of them are too mechy. Like they sound like you know like a happy hardcore kick. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you if you mess with the distortion, just put it lightly and really just rely on the compressor and the filter, you'll get like a nice, nice kick, even out of just like something that's super basic or, you know, very subtle. So that's a game changer um, for sure. But aside from that, like for me, like I have a couple racks that are just going to be for subs and mids Uh, really like for my sub um, I rely on operator. I used to do my substance serum, but like for me, there's no point because really you don't want your subs to be multiple voices. So yeah. if I'm just using one voice, it's, it's an operator. It's using, most of them are using the hip hop sub. And then I just have some erosion and saturation on there. And that's quite literally it. I don't try and like, do too much with the sub just because one the majority is going to be in mono and two really trying to make it a more foundational part of my tracks as opposed to like taking everything up with it yeah lately i actually been um using this trick that mr bill does now um it's uh with massive so it's it's creating risers but you generate a different riser every time and like randomize it. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that last week actually. (laughs) Yeah. I actually saved it. And I I made a, um, I made a preset out of this. So anytime I'm a little bit massive now, I can just go to it and start randomizing it. Yeah, man, that's, that's some cool shit. He's a genius. And I, I really enjoy his videos. Have you ever um, gone onto his website, mrbilltunes.com and uh, watched any of the videos? No, but that's actually how I learned how to produce was uh was from kidding. those videos. <laughs> yeah, man. I I haven't been to his site, but I've seen dozens of his YouTube videos. Yeah, man's a genius, man. When it comes to when it comes to Ableton, there's there's no one that knows more than Mr. Bill in my opinion. Yeah, he he posted on Facebook saying that he spends like nearly 15 hours a day in Ableton. I'm like, god. Yeah, man. well, he does he does 24-hour sessions. Like, he'll stay up for 24 hours and work on music and then sleep for two days. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, it really is. That's dedication right there. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. So man. is there any place um, that people can check out your music and stuff before we end up going? Yeah, of course. Um, most of my works are going to be on SoundCloud. Um, I say that just because... It's broken down by my originals, my remixes, my record releases, uh, collaborations. Also, 
uh, some of them, some of the publications I have released with have only done SoundCloud and not Spotify, but all of my self-releases and most of my labor releases are on all major platforms. But what yeah, name can they find it under? Yeah. So that's going to be under Die by the Sword, and then all my socials are going to be at DBTS Base. Shoot me a follow. Shoot me a message. I'll be sure to say, hey, we could shoot the shit. And, uh, yeah, any upcoming releases, upcoming shows will uh, be posted on there. Nice, man. Well, I, I really appreciate you, you know, <clears throat> taking the time to come hang with me for a bit. This definitely went uh, longer than an hour, but that, that, that was great, man. I, I really enjoyed just kind of sitting here chatting with you. Yeah, you as well, man. Um, definitely effortlessly went over an hour. Not surprised. Um, but yeah, looking forward to finishing our tune and then uh, seeing you out here for a show, maybe in Colorado. Yeah, man, I'll definitely try to make it out this week for your Black Box show. Yeah, let me know, man. I will, uh, I'll be there with uh, a bunch of good people. So if you want to stop by, yeah, and plus, like, you're working on it to a widow, too. So that'd be, that'd be sick if you made it. But uh, no hard feelings if not, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you soon, bro. Awesome, my brother. Well, I really appreciate you, man. I hope you have a great rest of your day.